Hey, San Diego First Church family, so good to be with you again. Today, we are looking at our first impressions of the text that will be preached from this coming Sunday, Um, this being the first Sunday of Lent as we move into a new Lenten season, a season that is disrupting us from our normal routines, that is pushing us to fast, think about the patterns that we inhabit in new ways, and call us into a a life of greater dependence, awareness of our own fragility, um, a season that we pay attention to all of those things. Dee, we are moving into a section of scripture. Psalm 32 is the sermon text for this Sunday. Dee, it's good to be with you as always. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Great to be with you and all those who are listening in. I... I hope I don't forget this entire Lenten season, the phrase you just used, a season to pay attention. Mm. Um, I I sometimes need to be reminded of the things to which I need to pay attention. Yeah. And so thanks for using that phrase. It's a great way to start. Um, and we're recording this on Ash Wednesday, yes. which is uh-huh. launching us into uh, the season of Lent. So thanks, Matt. Yeah. Psalm 32 uh, is the text, uh, and I'll read it for us in the NRSV version uh, so that we're all on the same page. Here is Psalm 32. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Therefore, Let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for all joy, all you upright in heart. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Matt, could I just ask you use, um, or in the psalm is a yeah. word that you said several times yeah. that may be unfamiliar to quite a few people. Would you mind just unpacking it just a little bit yeah. for us? Yeah, Selah is uh, a word that gets intermittently put into some of these psalms. Um, and there's some like debate around it about what its function is. Um uh, but in some ways, it's a um, it's a break to uh, to take a moment and and rest to to think about what is just been said. 
So, um, and even in my reading, I tried to take a, a slight break into that uh, to to um, nod towards that's an interpretation of what it is. It's a it's a lyric break for us to be contemplative on what has just been said. So some might, I think, have said that it could likely be a musical term. Also true. Yes. Uh, mm. That exactly what you said creates a break in the singing of the psalm or yeah like this a musical interlude yeah could also be one of the interpretations of Mm -hmm. it yes pause i like that yeah that jumps off the page right away right away (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's certainly some other things for me that jump off the page um in first impressions for this one is simply that it seems like in the psalm the voice changes yeah like it moves from the psalmist saying some things to almost without notice, it seems like all of a sudden the voice of God is speaking. Mm-hmm. And then it jumps back again in more of a narrative um, stance toward the end. And so just paying attention as a reader uh, becomes important as to maybe what voice it is that's taking place in yeah. a particular stanza. Yeah. What do you make of the voice changes? Because I, I noticed them as well. There's there's a shift to like a kind of a happier those. So like more of like a wisdom literature uh, yeah. in describing what what is good, wise action. Um, but then it shifts to uh, this laments type psalm talking about my body wasting away. And so it's all very first person. And then it shifts to a continues um, in a first person, but seems to shift perspective in verse 8. Talking like, I will instruct you and I'll teach you the way you should go, which sounds divine. It does. So you've got like this wisdom literature, this individual lament, and then this, and then God speaking. But then like God then speaks of himself in verse 11, right? Be glad in the Lord. Yeah. It's like then God turns into speaking in the third person. Which is kind of, it, it catches your attention. Yeah. Unless that's the summary statement by the narrator yeah. who's returning to the original voice. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel like a psalm that's been piecemealed together, but it certainly feels like a psalm that um, moves us in a variety of directions and causes us to pay attention. I wonder if the Selah is, pause, Pay attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Listen to what's being said. I, I'm not sure. It just is. I wouldn't say it's a unique psalm, but it certainly has some unique characteristics in how quickly those changes take place yeah. without much warning on the part of the author. Um, but I do love the lament portion is so poignant. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like there is this powerful acknowledgement of how silence and secrets can become toxic and destructive. There are other places where silence becomes this wonderful spiritual practice of being quiet before God. Yeah. But here, it's when we are holding on to things that have been our iniquities or our sins our transgressions, and they eat the shame and the guilt eat away at us. Yeah, because we live in this place where there's been no forgiveness, and the heaviness of those things becomes intolerable. Yeah, um, and to like 
and and to me this is i mean it's ancient wisdom and poetry but it speaks of something that i'm i'm pretty sure we're like in neuroscience and like psychology is true that like this keeping of the sciences is literally taking a toll on the physical body yeah that there there is this deep connection between how you are psychologically and emotionally and the the keeping of of that secret the the lack of confession is actually physically hurting that person's body like it's like ancient wisdom of what we can now in modern terms affirm in this in this psalm yeah that's very true the body speaks we gotta let the body have a voice Mm -hmm. um and i think simple incongruence is taxing yeah It, it it drains energy when you live in a state of incongruence where either your inward secrets don't match your outward projection or your values don't match the way you are putting into practice the way you live, that incongruence can be such a heavy weight. And and I would also note that the faith tradition in which I have grown up isn't real good about developing a discipline of confession mm-hmm. there is the confession that leads to salvation and then it feels like we're supposed to get it all right yeah and then it becomes an embarrassment to confess <laughs> anything yeah because yeah you know i've been saved uh-huh. and yeah I- i'm back to the passage from last week about um Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm -hmm. Be holy as I am holy, which is one of the passages in this week's readings. Mm -hmm. Um, That the invitation is to somehow live up to a standard where no confession is ever needed. Yeah. And so we don't talk about this very much. Yeah. And it's one thing that, like, at least in our evangelical, in our denomination, one of the things, and that's not how we started. Um, a pastor of mine uh, long ago, his name might be recognized to some, but uh, Scott Daniels would love to talk about how the, when John Wesley starts the Wesleyan movement in the Methodist Church, uh, what will become known as the Methodist Church, their gathering started the same, which was they went around and said, uh, what sins have you uh, committed the last time we gathered? They all, it's all started first in confession. Not, not what sins did you commit in the meeting when we last gathered? It was that, maybe since, that too. Maybe that too. <laughs> but since we last gathered. But since we last yes. gathered. Like maybe, yeah, in the meeting, but also in the time between. Um, that, that we get uncomfortable with like, yeah, this is the way I screwed up. Yeah, this is the, the argument I had. This is the way that I cheated on taxes or whatever. Like we... We are so quick to like be afraid of that because we have this uh, cultural prompting that we should have it all together. We're followers of Jesus, right? Like, yeah. and yet, what's clear here as well as what Jesus does is that uh, there's no perfect people allowed in this. <laughs> like, at least perfect in the way of like um, not admitting that we are dependent creatures on yeah. God. I feel like tied into that, and you might disagree with me, Matt, but I feel like our theology has evolved. Maybe it's devolved is the appropriate term, but whereby we often have this underlying sense 
that God is ready to take us down. Yeah. Like something we've done something wrong and it's almost as if God has been waiting for an opportunity to bring about judgment. Mm-hmm. And so talking about or admitting raises that sense of panic of, you know, if I die tonight and this hasn't gotten fixed, yeah, um, my eternity, my eternal destination um, is in jeopardy here. And that's not to minimize the nature of sinfulness and the separation from God that it creates. But what that, um, I think, shift in understanding of God has done has moved us away from this passionate God who's quick to forgive, full of grace, longing for us to lean into God for our strength, not into our own capacities. And that, again, the very purpose of the law was to point out how impossible it is for us to do this without mm. the grace of God. Mm. And and to kind of reclaim this amazing love that is from end to end, from beginning to end, yeah. God's love toward us and, and bringing us into all that he created us to be. Yeah, and that's actually what you see in the passage in, verses five, uh, in verse 5, is that... Like, I've been wasting away, I've had the secret, it's gone unconfessed, and it's killing my body. And then I acknowledged my sin, I acknowledged what was going on. He confesses, and the immediate next line is, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's it's near immediate in the text of, of confession to God's forgiveness. And it's as if that is what is waiting for us. In the confession is just, we have this fear of God of like, oh man, the lightning bolt's about to come. Right, right. But if we just only say the thing and and, and confess where we have screwed up, confessed our defensiveness, confessed our arrogance, whatever it might be that we just want to hold on to and, and, and keep to ourselves. Yeah. God just... We just confess it. God's right, right there, there with forgiveness. Right there. It's like just the turn the corner. God's right there with forgiveness. Um, so the title of my sermon is what I hope to tease out a little bit more of. And so here's a taste of why the title is what it is. And the title of the sermon is The Hiding Place. Mm. Um, most often we think of hiding place as hiding from something. And so often sinfulness puts us in a place as happened in the Garden of Eden, where yeah. they were hiding from God, yeah. that we are hiding from the one who created us, loved us, loves us, um, and is seeking us out. The psalmist here says, you are my hiding place. Yeah. So it turns from hiding from God to being God's the place where I hide from shame, guilt, um, fear, Yeah. Uh, concern over destruction and all of those kinds of things what a shift what a twist on that imagery that the psalmist provides for us yep love that looking forward to you exploring that more on sunday thanks matt have a good rest of your day you bet